It's a wonderful song, Lead Me to Calvary. All right, well, let's take our Bible and turn to Colossians chapter number 2. And uh, I know we were just standing a moment ago, but if you would uh, stand one more time as we uh, read the scriptures tonight. Colossians chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to read verses 4 through 7, so four verses tonight. Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And the Word of God says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And let's pray again. Lord, thank you for uh, good service already. Thank you, Lord, again for these teenagers. And I know Brother Chuck just thanked you for the testimony that they gave, but I also want to express gratitude for how you worked in their heart. And Lord, I, I pray that you would seal these decisions and help them to keep them, the, keep them in the days ahead. Lord, help them to understand that there's going to uh, be uh, fighting against their decisions. And so, Lord, help them uh, to remember what they decided. Help them to not forget in the dark, what, uh, in the night, what you gave them in the light. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. And then now, I pray you bless our time. Now in your word, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we started the series uh, a little ways ago, and uh, a few few weeks ago, we're actually uh, sermon number eleven into our series. So uh, we're we're getting there. Um, we started last Sunday, going through chapter number two. And uh, in that chapter, or in this, the first three verses here, we looked at uh, filling our hearts with the right thing. And uh, the title of the message last week was Full Hearts. Remember I had a suitcase here, and, and uh, we were trying to make sure that we were putting the right things in the suitcase, right things in our heart. And uh, in verses 1 through 3, we learned that we were to fill our heart with the right type of comfort. Remember to seek our comfort in the Lord. In verse number two, it says their hearts might be comforted. And then we are to fill our hearts with the right type of connections. Uh, In verse number two, it says being knit together in love. And then uh, with the right type of confidence, uh, having that full assurance, verse two talks about. And then having our hearts full of Christ uh, in the end of verse number two and into verse number three. And now we get into what Paul is encouraging the church at Colossae to um, make spiritual progress in their life. And uh, I I don't know, I was thinking about this as I was considering this message, and I was thinking to some times that I have filled filled out online forms or some tests for some type of uh, thing that I have to do. Um, And, you know, you're like, okay, how, how much further do I have to go in this form? Or how many more questions are there in this test? Uh, I remember when I took the, the test um, for the bus and getting my CDL, 
and uh, you know, hoping that I'm going to eventually be done with these dumb tests, these dumb questions. Let's let's be done with this thing. How much further do I have to go? And uh, you know, maybe you've experienced that, or maybe when you're you've gone on a hike and you're like, okay, how much further till we get to this waterfall that they talk about? Uh, when we were up in uh, when we were in California, we every year went up to uh, Northern California on our family vacation. And uh, we would sometimes go to Mount Lassen National Park. And in that particular park, there's a, there's a special hike that takes you to this beautiful waterfall. And now I'm thinking about it, I should have put the, a picture on the screen of this waterfall. It is really beautiful, but, but it does take a while to get there. And when we first did this hike for the very first time, we had little, little kids, uh, little, little boys. And uh, Seth and, and Luke were much smaller, and we would take we took them on this hike, thinking, "Oh, it'd be fun, and it's not that far." And uh, we kept going, "Okay, how much further? How much further?" And then we would get, come to a sign, and it says, "You know, another half mile up." And we're like, "Are you serious? We still have to go another half mile?" You know, we're, we're exhausted. We we want to be done. Uh, but those little markers there are helpful to kind of know where you're at. And. Uh, you know, Julie and I were talking about this. We were talking about uh, we went to the camp on uh, Thursday night, and we drove home Thursday after after the evening service. And uh, we were just commenting. I had my little you know phone mounted there, and uh, it was leading me home. And uh, we were thinking back. What do you remember those days before Apple Maps and Google Maps when you actually had a paper map? Some of you kids have no idea what we're talking about, you know, and, and you had those Thomas guides, remember those, and then the fold-out maps that you took like a scientist to refold it back properly, you remember those? And, and it would be really hard to really know exactly how much further before you take your next turn, and now we just have it right there on our screen, and it just tells you exactly, you know, 1.8 miles you'll be turning left, and so you can just kind of keep watching that. that, that gives you your progress. And I was thinking back to uh, when I was in school, uh, between, the, uh, between the semesters, there would be what was sent home, what, we, what were called progress reports. Uh, I remember in my senior year of high school, I was taking trigonometry, and they sent home a progress report. And on that progress report for trigonometry, uh, they gave me a grade, and it was a fantastic, fabulous grade I was getting in trigonometry. I was struggling. I mean, I was drowning in that class. The, the sines and cosines and tangents and all those things were uh, kind of way over my head, and so that progress report came home. My dad got a look at that, who majored in math in, in college, and uh, so he's like, my son is not going to get, not going to bomb a math class. That's not happening. Not on my watch. So we had some man-to-man conversations, and we had some fun uh, math uh, parties, he and I, to try to get through that. And I did end up passing uh, trigonometry. I think I ended up my last semester getting a B in the class. Uh, but I was failing the class at one point. Those progress reports were helpful. Now, uh, here Paul is saying, here's some markers of some spiritual progress, some, some things that if we look at, we can see, okay, are we making progress in our Christian life? Are we making spiritual progress? These are some markers 
in our lives that ought to be there. And if not, we say, okay, well, I need to start growing in some of these areas. I need to start making some progress in these areas. And uh, there is indeed an expectation uh, of the Lord that there would be spiritual progress in our lives as believers. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says to the church there at, at Corinth, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. He said, look, you should have grown, you should have developed, you should have matured, you should have made spiritual progress, but you're still a baby in Christ. You've not developed, you've not grown, and shame on you for not growing. And then uh, to the Hebrew Christians, the writer there said this, for the, when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So, I mean, it would be kind of like, okay, uh, you know, somebody like Seth should be eating meat by now. Okay, he's 18 years old. He should be eating meat. But it's like, okay, we need to give you your bottle. Drink your bottle of milk, Sethy. Okay, he should be eating meat now. And by the way, he is eating meat, which... I almost wish he was still drinking milk only because that would be cheaper. Uh, but uh, the thing is, in, in the Christian life, there needs to be some spiritual maturity and progress being made as time goes on in our life rather than just staying stagnant in our life. So God expects us to continue to progress in our relationship with him as time goes on. Now, how do we know if we are progressing? What are the marks of spiritual progress according to those, these four verses that we just read. Uh, so let's look at these precious verses tonight and see the four marks of spiritual progress. And then I want us to ask the question, if these uh, marks are evident in our lives, if these four markers are true of us, what are they? Well, first tonight, notice the first mark of spiritual progress is that we would be, number one, grounded. Verse four says, in this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now, in verse 4, he says the word beguile. Uh, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. What does the word beguiled mean? Well, it means misled by craft. It means being deceived. So, so Paul desires that these uh, believers would be grounded and stable and not easily misled, not easily deceived, not beguiled with enticing words. Now, the word grounded, when we say that, usually has a bad connotation, especially if you're my kids. <laughs> uh, we don't want to be grounded. I don't like being grounded. Right, Mark? <laughs> He's not a fan of being grounded. Uh, we have grounded our kids from uh, several things. We've grounded our kids from sugar and media. Uh, when they're disobedient and it's like, hey, let's take something away that they don't have to have in order for survival. And I know they think they need sugar for survival, but they don't really need sugar for survival. So we take sugar away. And then those are the times we usually bump up the quality of desserts for the rest of the family. And so it's like, ouch, 
it's not, that's not too cool. Well, we do that, and then, you know, they can't watch anything or play video games. I recently grounded one of our children from video games for a week. Um, being grounded is no fun in that way. And uh, grounded many times has a negative vibe to it. But, but here, as, I, as I'm looking here at verses 4 and 5 here, I see that being grounded is a very good thing, a mark that we should have in our lives. Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4.14, he said, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He doesn't want us to be just kind of going with the flow and whatever sounds good, hey, we'll do that. And hey, I went to the Christian bookstore and they said this and, and I read this book that said that and, and no, 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 we need to be grounded. On Wednesday night this past week, I'm going to share a story that I'm not real proud of. On Wednesday night, uh, some of you may know little Naomi in our church. She came up to me after the service with four dandelion stalks with the seeds ready to fly away, kind of like the picture we have here. And she said, hey, do you see these? These are wish flowers. I said, that's really cute, but um, see, here's where I failed here. I wasn't the nicest person in that moment and corrected her and said, many people consider them weeds. I know, I know, I'm not proud of this moment. This was not my finest moment as a pastor. I crushed that little girl. Um, uh, but here, here's the deal. And, uh, and I know some people do consider them weeds, um, and some people consider them wish flowers. I'm going to start considering them wish flowers from now on. Um, but the, the point is, okay, these... <laughs> One thing about these little seeds is that when the wind blows, right, they're tossed to and fro and they're carried about with every wind. And uh, God doesn't want us to be like these dandelions that just kind of go with the flow and wherever the, 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 the culture is going, that's where we're going to go. He wants us to be grounded. Um, these are the gullible believers, and Paul was saying that one of the marks of spiritual progress in our lives is that we are grounded. We're not gullible. We're not easily swayed when, swayed when it comes to our faith. God wants us to be like the song that we sometimes sing here at Cornerstone. Jesus is my Savior. I shall not be moved. In his love and favor, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be moved. So uh, we need to be grounded, grounded. And again, it's a good thing to be grounded in this way, okay? And for my kids who are permanently scarred for life with the word grounded, it's a good thing in this scenario. You want to be grounded. So are you grounded or does every little uh, post that you see maybe kind of go, well, maybe that's true. And maybe that's true. Or do we, are we grounded in the word of God and we're steadfast in our faith in Christ? In verse number five, uh, he doesn't want us to be beguiled. He doesn't want us to uh, be going with the wind wherever it's blowing. So he wants us to be grounded. 
Number two, the second mark of spiritual progress. And again, as we look at these, go, okay, am I grounded or do I, am I gullible and believe just anything that everybody says? Or do I make sure that I filter everything through the word of God? But number two, the second spiritual marker here for spiritual progress is we need to be grounded. And then secondly, we need to be going. Verse number six says this, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walk ye in him. The first step, first most important decision is to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. And Brother Mason, I'm glad to be able to call you Brother Mason. Um, I'm thankful that you received Christ Jesus the Lord this past week. I'm proud of you. That's a most important decision. But now, now that you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, now we're to walk ye in him. And uh, walking gives the idea of moving forward or go, going forward. You say, well, that's not, I came to church to hear that. Seriously, I could have figured that out at home. I know. But in Ephesians chapter number six, we find the armor of God. Most of you are familiar with that portion of scripture where we are instructed to put on the whole armor of God, to put, uh, uh, to put on the belt of truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, to hold the shield of faith, to put on the helmet of salvation and to use the sword of the spirit. And I, I understand that that's what our missionary preached about in, in junior church this morning. By the way, all pieces that protect the front, shield, breastplate, belt of truth, helmet of salvation, all things that really protect the front, not the back. Why? Because we're to be going forward, not backwards, not turning around, exposing our back. Um, so my question for all of us tonight is, what steps forward are you taking in your Christian life? Because a as we walk in him, we should be taking steps forward. We should be taking steps closer to the Lord. Again, you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. And may for Mason, it was this past week. For you, it may have been when you were four years old, like it was for my wife, 12 years old for me. Whatever, you fill in the blank for you. Awesome. Best decision of your life. Most important decision you could ever make. But it doesn't stop there. You now need to walk ye in him. So after salvation, what are some steps that we are to walk forward in? Well, first of all, uh, after you've been saved, the first step of obedience is baptism. Baptism. And uh, we are a Baptist church here. <laughs> we believe in baptism. Now, baptism is not required for salvation. Absolutely not. Uh, baptism is not necessary in order for you to have a relationship with God or to uh, be on your way to heaven. But baptism is an important first step and really the first step of obedience, the first step of spiritual growth, where you publicly identify with Jesus Christ and uh, declare to the world, really, that, hey, I belong to him and he belongs to me. Baptism. So if there's someone here today who has been saved and not yet baptized, come talk to me. I'd love to, we'd love to get you in the baptistry. 
and uh, get those waters moving again. Baptism. What else? Uh, what other steps should we be taking forward in our Christian life? Baptism, faithful church attendance, and membership. One pastor friend of mine on social media offered an experiment. And uh, he said this, experiment, tell your child's coach that they can't make it to the game because they're going to church and see if their response is as understanding and patient and kind as you expect your pastors to be when you tell them you're all missing church for your kid's ball game. And he puts a wink face there to try to say, hey, I uh, don't shoot the messenger here. But look, you know, you go to your boss and say, I can't work. He's not going to be as kind as your pastor is going to be. Um, if you say, hey, I can't go to church because I have to work. And, and I want to be understanding. I want to be gracious. I want to be kind. I want to be patient. But no one else is patient when you miss what they're trying to have you do so that you can go to church. Interesting. Look, I'm not against ball games and time at the lake, and I'm not against work, but nowhere in the scriptures are we told to not forsake the playing of baseball or soccer. Nowhere in the scriptures are we told to not forsake the working on the Lord's day. We're not instructed to forsake time at the lake when the weather is nice on the Lord's day, but brother and sister, God does command us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in order to encourage one another, in order to be encouraged. So maybe the step you need to take tonight, and I'm thankful for the full church house tonight. This is a blessing. It's great to look out and see uh, a good crowd tonight. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir, but that doesn't mean the choir doesn't need to hear it. Because at times we are all tempted to, ah, you know, it's hot. Yeah, no, the weather's not nice. Yeah, no, whatever. Uh, look, let's not forsake the assembling because this could be the service that you needed most. And, and, and you may not realize this. And uh, I didn't realize this as much as I realize it now, but your presence here tonight is a blessing and an encouragement to this guy right here. You say, I'm not getting anything out of this message. Well, I'm getting something about, out of you being here. Your presence, your faithfulness tonight is an encouragement and a blessing to me. So if nothing else, uh, you say, well, this, this message is boring. It probably is. But here's the deal. It's, it, you're supposed to encourage me, and I'm supposed to encourage you. We're supposed to encourage one another. And so don't, don't forsake it. Just don't say, well, I don't need that message. Or I already have that memorized. I've heard so many sermons on that before. I don't need to come tonight. Or I don't, need, I don't need to come Wednesday night. I already know the names of God. I need you here. And you need to be here as well. So uh, maybe the, the step forward you need to take tonight is to make church attendance a priority and a non-issue in your life. In other words, there should be no question what you and your family is going to do on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, and Wednesday night, that you're going to simply be in the house of God. There's too many like questions. Are we going to church tonight? Are we going to church tomorrow? That should never be a question in our house, in your house, and, and in my house either. 
Uh, we should just be in the house of God when the doors are open. Okay, what other steps should forward should we be taking as we are to be going in our Christian life? Well, daily time with God in his word and in prayer. Uh, Brother Seth talked about that. Spending time in, in Luke 2, about spending time in God's word every day and making it an intentional effort to hear from God and then to speak to him. You say, oh, I, I, don't, I haven't done that. Well, let's, let's take that step. Let's make spiritual progress. Let's take that step forward. Let's be going daily time and with God and his word. What about giving our time, talent, and treasure to God? You say, uh, man, I can't even afford to pay my bills. And uh, with, with all the rising prices, I mean, I can't, I can't afford to give to, to God. I, I just can't. Can I just be very kind and gracious and say you can't afford not to? Okay, with all the promises that God has in his word regarding giving and regarding trusting the Lord with your finances, you, you just can't afford not to give and to make him first and to give him the, the, first, um, the first fruits of our income. What about witnessing to those in our lives? Brother Mason again preached on it a little bit during his testimony. I, preach, I appreciate that. Uh, are we willing to witness to those in our lives, our family members, our neighbors, friends, etc., etc., etc.? Whoever the people that God brings across your path, He put them in your path, not just for no weird reason, but He did so that so that you could be a witness, so that you can be a testimony. And so take that step to learn how to do that. Say, I've never done that. I'm too shy. Can I encourage you to make spiritual progress and walk forward and take that step of faith and learn how to witness and learn how to be bold with your faith? So I could never talk to my coworkers. I felt the same way, but one day I decided, you know, I'm going to take that step forward. And I'm so glad I did because I was able to, while, Bob, while in Baba College, lead a Filipino young man named Dante to the Lord after work one night. It's obviously not my comfort zone, but I'm grateful that I was willing to take that step of faith, and I want to encourage you to do it as well. What about what else? What other steps forward can you take in your Christian life? How about serving in a ministry, getting plugged in and letting God use your spiritual gifts to bless others? No, no, I, I just like to sit in the background. I just like to do my own. I just like to come in last second and leave so that I don't have to talk to anybody and look we love you you're welcome to do that but I'm encouraging you to take that step of faith and go forward and to take this step and starting to serve in a ministry we do have plenty of opportunities this year at vacation bible school to serve and a little plug for our meeting right after the service tonight so serving in the ministry and then what else separating from wrong influences as you start growing closer to the Lord, like Isaiah did, as he got uh, into the presence of God and saw God for who he is, high and lifted up and holy, holy, holy. And then he said, woe is me, for I am undone. And I uh, dwell on people uh, who are, all have unclean lips, right? He, he said, as I look at the Lord, as I grow closer to him and keep getting closer to him as I walk forward, 
I'm realizing some things that I need to get right in my own life. And so are there things in your life that you need to separate from? Are there some people that you need to separate from? I'm encouraging you that, look, we're here to make spiritual progress. That's what Paul's encouraging the church at Colossae to do. And that's what we need to do is, is to look at our lives and say, are we making spiritual progress? Are we going forward? Or are there there's some areas that we're like, oh, nope, I'm not going to cross that line. That's one step that I'm just not making. It's, that's too big of a step. I mean, it's like, whoa, no, thank you. Separating from my music, separating from my entertainment, separating from worldly influences, it's like, uh, no thanks. I'm going to just stop right there. But, but what, where else would God want you to go if you were just willing to take that next step? Separating from wrong influences. What about leading your family in devotions and having family Bible time? That's a, that's a step in the right direction. I would encourage you to take some of these steps. Maybe it's a step that I didn't even mention tonight, but what step is it that you need to take tonight in your Christian life? Hey, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, great, you've gotten saved, praise the Lord. Now walk ye in him. What step do you need to take tonight? What, we, we need to be going forward, making spiritual progress. So what step is it that you need to make? Well, maybe you, you're here tonight and you say, well, I've taken some of these steps before, but, but maybe you've gone backwards. Maybe you've slid backwards, backslid. Maybe you used to read your Bible every day. Maybe you used to serve. Maybe you used to be concerned about souls. Maybe you used to be separate from the world, but... Slowly you've gone backwards. Just a reminder that when you're going backwards, you are open and vulnerable to the attacks of the wicked one. You're an open target for the wiles of the devil. So tonight, turn around and go forward and take these steps again, whatever step you need to take again. Why? Because there's a wonderful promise in the scriptures about going forward. See, as we take these steps closer to the Lord, he promises that he will draw close to us. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And the rest of the verse says, cleanse your heart, your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So as we draw an eye to God, it's going to be evident in the fact that we're getting right with Him. So get going. Take the next step. Put one foot in front of the other. Walk ye in Him. So be going. But there's a third mark of spiritual progress, and that is be growing. Verse number 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. Second Peter 3.18, Peter says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. How are we to grow? Well, Paul gives us three pictures in this verse of growth that help us to know how we are to be growing. Okay, First, we are to be growing as a tree. Verse number seven starts with the word rooted. Now, what did you want to be when you grew up? I know some of you don't want to grow up. You're a Toys R Us kid like me, right? So many toys to play with. Some of you don't even know that song, and that's a crying shame. <laughs> that, we're going to put that in the order service next week, okay? That song. 
That'll be a hymn that we're going to sing next week. Okay, Brother Blake, we'll make sure that's... Okay, just kidding. When I was a young guy, I thought I was going to be... I literally thought I was going to be Spider-Man. I got bit by a black widow when I was in first grade, and I thought, that's it. It's my destiny. I'm going to be slinging webs and saving people. And dressed in a really cool outfit. None of those things came to pass. <laughs> I didn't get to be Spider-Man. So then I thought, well, more likely than that, maybe I'll be a professional football player. Okay. Ushers, ushers. We have a disorderly church member here that needs to be dealt with. Church discipline. Let's look it up. I really did think I was going to be a professional football player. I was going to be a kicker, okay? Um, then later in life, I thought, okay, that's not, that's not a reality. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll be a professional hockey player. And that didn't work either. And then I wanted to be a fireman. But never one time did I ever say to anybody, you know what I want to be when I grow up? I want to be like a tree. And yet, as I grew in the Lord, the more I want to be like a tree. To have my roots deep in the Lord and to be fruitful as a result. In verse 7, he says to be rooted. We're to, in other words, grow down our, our roots deep into the truth of who God is and in our relationship with God. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree. Thank you. By, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The more I continue on in my Christian life, the more I want to be like a tree that has deep roots so that I can have stability, strength, and produce fruit in my life. Um, we have uh, three fruit trees in our backyard. Uh, one tree that uh, we just put in not long ago because... Well, we have a dog, and that dog came in and tore it up and messed that tree up, so we had to take that out, and it ended up not making it. But the ones that kind of took root, and their roots are getting deep and, and getting nutrients, those are the ones that are doing well. And I want to be the tree that has my roots deep. See, a tree needs to have deep roots or it won't receive the proper nutrients from the soil. And the deeper the roots, the stronger the tree is during the storms. I grew up in Lancaster, California, home of the tumbleweeds. In fact, the local junior college there in Lancaster in the Antelope Valley is called Antelope Valley College. It was affectionately known as Tumbleweed Tech. Um, just because that area had so many tumbleweeds that would flow through the streets and it was a very common occurrence during windstorms there to drive by and get a big huge tumbleweed stuck in the grill of your car did that ever happen to you 
Okay, did that ever happen to you, Brother Blake? Happened to me a lot, okay? Maybe it was a me thing. Did that ever happen to you, Julie? Okay, under the car. But it was a pretty uh, common thing to see tumbleweeds just kind of flowing by over and over again. And uh, the, the reason that happened is because they didn't have deep roots. Their roots were very surfacy. And whenever the wind and the storm came, uh, those tumbleweeds went flying. And so uh, we need to be deep, have deep roots, and have a real good understanding of the Word of God. So we're to grow as a tree. Secondly, we're to grow as a building. In verse number 7, it says, Rooted and built up in Him as a building. See, when we trust Christ to save us, we're put on a firm foundation. From then on, though, we are to grow in grace and to keep adding to and adding to. And in the book of Peter, um, I think it's 2 Peter in chapter number 1, it says this, Whereby are we given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. So there are some things we are to be building and growing and, and developing in our Christian life. Uh, we're, we're not to be going, uh, we are to be grow, growing down, but then as a result, we're to be able to be able to be building up. And then he says we're to be growing also as a student, as a student. Um, Colossians 2 and verse number uh, 7 says, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught. And I know that it's summertime, and we don't want to talk about school at all right now. But the truth of the matter is, right, summertime, wintertime, Christmas vacation, after graduation, we graduate from college, that doesn't mean we should ever stop learning and growing as a student. And so we're to be growing. Are you growing, or have you kind of reached the point where it's like, hey, I know all there is to know, and so I'm good. I don't need to learn anymore. No, we're to continue growing and developing. I appreciate uh, Brother Tom is here tonight, and uh, I know since I've been here, he's been a part of uh, Faith Bible Institute. And, and Brother Terry and Miss Pam, I've been part of Faith Bible Institute. They've already been through it a few times. It's like they could easily say, look, I've been there, done that. I know all there is to know. All this stuff is like review. So I don't need to keep learning. I don't need to keep investing my time. No, they still have a desire to learn and to grow and to develop. And I want to encourage us to have a heart to say, I have not arrived I need to keep growing. I need to keep learning. So is that true in your life? The fourth spiritual marker here for spiritual progress is to be grateful. Uh, here in verse number 7, he says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. See, one of the marks of spiritual progress is having an attitude of gratitude. Maybe like me, you've been around people who are negative Nancys and negative Neds. 
I mean, the whole world is falling apart in their mind, and the sky is falling, and all they can do is tell you about all their blisters and how bad things are. Now, look, I do want to know what's going on in the world, and I do want to know what's happening in your life, but it's not hard to develop a negative attitude and outlook on your life if all you hear is all about the bad. So I prefer, if I have a choice, to be around thankful people. People who perhaps are going through a difficult time and yet are still filled with gratitude. See, a marker of real spiritual progress is that you are not only grateful, but then here in verse number 7 it says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. What does the word abounding mean? It means to superabound, to be, to exceed, to be in excess, to have enough and to spare. Does that sound like your gratitude attitude? Are you like overflowing with gratitude? Or has it been a while since you truly expressed your thanks to God for who he is and all he's done for you? Share a quick story and we'll wrap this up. Paul Harvey tells the story of a man who was abounding with thanksgiving. Paul Harvey said, it, it is gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. You see, many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. See, somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. And fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. And for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant, recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was only 9 by 5, but the biggest shark, 10 feet long. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable, starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them, but a miracle did occur. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain Willie Cherry, Cherry read the service that afternoon and we finished with the prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the, up, in the oppressive heat. He said, with my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Now, this is still Captain Rickenbacker talking. He said, something landed on my head. He said, I knew it was a seagull. I didn't know how I knew. I just knew. And everyone else knew, too. No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that goal. That goal meant food, if I could catch it. 
And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie did catch the goal. And its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie made it. And you know also that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you can see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent. His bucket filled with shrimp was to feed the gulls, to remember that one which, on a long day past, gave itself without a struggle, like manna in the wilderness. A friend, we have someone who gave himself for us on the cross so that we could be saved. And we have much to be thankful for. Yes, even in this day of uncertainty with inflation, food shortages, apostasy, and all the rest of the bad news going on. And by the way, the only time when there will be no more bad news is when we are in glory. So until then, let's be sure we who have been blessed so much would be abounding therein with thanksgiving. The church at Colossae, it wasn't like they were living in this cush time either. That they could just look around and see all the luxury around them. No, they were going through difficulty. They were experiencing uh, situations that were less than ideal. And yet he says here, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Maybe tonight, There's somebody here who needs to apologize to the Lord for your whining, your griping and complaining. Because that sin doesn't get talked about much, but it is a sin. Maybe you need to apologize and to have a revival of Thanksgiving. I realize it's June and November still weighs off, but we need to be abounding, to be overflowing with thanksgiving. We need to be thankful for our spouses, for those of us who are married. Say, yeah, well, you don't know all the, okay, well, it's not like you're perfect either. Okay. Let's be thankful for our spouses. Let's be thankful for our parents. Well, they're not perfect. Oh, and you are? Let's be thankful for the blessings of God in our life. You say, this church isn't perfect. That pastor, I'm telling you, he's got some real shortcomings. Friend, you don't even know the half of it. (laughs) Is that time to end? I think it's time to end. (laughs) But look, let's be thankful people. Let's focus on the blessings, not the blisters. And then let's be grateful to the blesser. Let's be abounding therein with thanksgiving. So how are you doing? How is your progress going? Are these markers evident in your life? Are you grounded? Or are you easily swayed if somebody says some nice flowery words and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, maybe I should listen to them? Or are you grounded? Are you going forward? Or have you stopped? Because there's one place that you just, I just can't, give. I just can't serve. I just can't witness. I just can't 
and you, you fill in the blank. Where, where are you, or are you going forward? Are you going? Are you growing? Or have you kind of said, you know what, I've grown as not enough, and I'm kind of done. And are you grateful? Some good spiritual markers, good markers of spiritual progress. How are we doing? How are we doing tonight? Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, to be challenged. And Lord, I ask that uh, you would help these markers of spiritual progress to be evident in each of our lives. Help us, Lord, to indeed be grounded. Help us, Lord, to be going forward. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in our Christian life, to not think that we've ever arrived. And then, Lord, help us to be grateful. Help us to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts despite the circumstances around us. Help us to rejoice in the Lord and to have a gratitude attitude as we go through this life, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Help us to do that. And uh, we'll thank you for all you do in our lives. And uh, I know it's a little later than normal, but I'm going to ask Miss Pat, go ahead and play if you would. And, and as she does, I want to allow you an opportunity to do business with the Lord as perhaps he has done business in your life this evening.